0: All right. Well, let's pray. We'll dig into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. We ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We don't want the words of man, but the word of God may go forth with power. We ask all these things in your holy, and your precious name, we pray. And all God's people said to catch you up. First Timothy, we know that Paul wrote the letter to Timothy. Timothy was one of his sons in the faith. First and Second Timothy and Titus are referred to as the pastoral epistles. They're letters written to pastors. Now, just because they're written to pastor doesn't mean it doesn't apply to everybody in the room because it does. Now, 1 Timothy, we saw him really saying to stay, stay by the stuff, to keep teaching the whole counsel of God and how the church should function. Even though we only turned one page to get to 2 Timothy, some years have gone by and things have gotten radically worse for the church as far as persecution. As Paul is writing this letter, he is sitting in a cave and he will be taken out of that cave and beheaded by Caesar Nero. And so he's at the end of his life. This is the last letter that he writes. And as there's great persecution, just so you understand what's going on, this is the time when Christians are being fed the lions. This is the time when Caesar Nero was covering uh, Christians in pitch. And setting them on fire and using them as their dead bodies on fire as candles to light his garden. So being a Christian was very, very difficult when 2 Timothy chapter 1 was written. And as Paul wrote to Timothy, he doesn't say, hey bro, things are tough, go hide. He didn't say, hey, it's not popular to be a Christian anymore. Uh, You know, maybe you should just retire. Instead, he encourages him and he exhorts him to be faithful and be unashamed of the gospel. Now, we have the same outline as we had last week. Last week, we looked at the first three points. Let's look at those briefly, and then we'll pick up with the last three this morning. Tell the message, living a life that will impact eternity. It's been said, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. Can I get an amen to that? And so people are what matters. And so his exhortation to Timothy, as he's writing this letter, his last will and testament, if you will... To his son in the faith, the first thing he lets him know to be have a life that will impact eternity is to be a person who prays. How many of you could pray more? You notice know, my hands up. How many could pray more? I need to pray more. Can I get an amen to that? Isn't it amazing that we can speak to the creator of the universe anywhere and anytime and he hears us? Can I get an amen to that? And it's amazing that we don't take more of an advantage of it. And the word of God tells us, Jesus said, you shall make my father's house a house of? prayer. So pray without ceasing for this is the will of God. And guys don't complain, pray. Amen. amen? If you're worried about the future of our country, pray. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? If you're worried about what's going on with your children, with your, with your marriage, whatever you're going through in life, pray. Pray without ceasing. You want to have a life that impacts eternity, spend time on your knees. I guarantee you, we're going to get to heaven. And when we see the Lord face to face, and when we see God in his glory, we're going to say, if I had known he was this great, I would have prayed more. Can I get an amen? Because I promise you, heaven's better and God is greater than you think. And you know what, guys? Prayer is not the last resort. It ought to be the first place we go. Amen. Well, you know, I guess I can't do anything to help you. I guess I can pray for you. Guys, prayer is powerful. Amen? Secondly, by passing on your faith to the next generation, he, Paul was talking to Timothy about his grandmother and his mother who had shared the Lord with Timothy. Praise God for praying moms and grandmas. Can I get an Amen. amen. Praise God for those who love their kids enough to teach them the truth. And guys, the the most important thing we can give our kids is not a good education. A good education is good. Not a a nice house to live in. That's fine too. But the greatest thing we can give our kids is Jesus. And I know no greater joy than know my children walk in the truth. And how blessed for you by our young people leading worship. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's our high school group and Nathalie, who just graduated from college, and a bunch of our high schoolers leading worship. I'm in tears. I know no greater joy. know my children walk in the truth. Amen? Amen? My kids are digging ditches and loving Jesus. I'm going to be happy. If they're rocket scientists and they don't know the Lord, my heart's going to be broken. Guys, the most important thing is our kids love Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, by using the spiritual gifts God has given you. Guys, we're not too... Be Pew Potatoes. God did not save us just so we could be students of the Bible. We need to be people who live it out. Open it, read it, obey it. Can I get an amen? God doesn't just call us to be, well, I know all about what the word says. That's great. Good for you. Are you living it? By your fruit, they shall know you, the Bible says. Amen. But guys, we cannot live it if we don't read it. And it's not enough to read it. Can I get an amen to that? And then let me finish off with the final verse from last week last thing he said to them and then we'll pick up in verse eight but he says there in verse seven let's read that together second timothy chapter one verse eight Verse seven excuse me i want to read this because it's going to tie in because in verse eight he says there at the beginning of verse eight therefore and when you see therefore you ask What's it there for? He's saying, in light of what I just told you, here's how you should respond. Well, what had he just told them? Look at verse seven. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. In light of the fact that God has not given us a spirit of fear. As I mentioned last week, the word fear there in Greek is cowardice. God has not made us spiritual cowards. Can I get an amen? Amen. And sadly, a lot of Christians live like spiritual cowards. We, are, we do not share our faith with anyone. Our neighbors don't know that we're saved. Our coworkers have no idea about our faith. I, most of you guys know I have a full-time job. We had a Zoom meeting because we have a brand new team. And I just love divine appointments like that. And they had us all eat lunch together. They sent us a, a DoorDash card and, and you, everybody ordered a meal. We had lunch together. We got to know each other. And the first thing he said is, I want every, since this is a new team, I want everyone to go around and just say one thing that's really important to you. Thank you, Jesus. What an opportunity for the gospel. Can I get an amen? amen. And guys, God gives us those opportunities and we should not pass those by. And we've all done it. Can I get an amen? How many besides me have wimped out a few times? We've had an opportunity to share our faith, but God has not given us a spirit of cowardice. God has not called us to be fearful. Look, pray for me because I struggle with pastors who still haven't opened their churches. Cause that's a spirit of cowardice. As far as I'm concerned, guys, we're, we shouldn't be afraid. Can I get an amen? Now, again, if people are worried about COVID, that's why we have live stream. That's why a lot of people are home watching on live stream and that's okay. And praise God for that. And again, I love the pastors, but I want to encourage them. Guys, this is not the black plague. People are not dropping dead all around us. It's okay to have church. Can I get an amen? Amen. And it's not because it's in the Constitution, but because it's in the Word of God. For saying not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Amen? Amen? So God has not given us a spirit of cowardice. What has he given us? Of power and love and a sound mind. Let's go through those just real quickly. By the way, it says in the Bible 365 times, do not fear. You know why? Because we can fear. He wouldn't tell us, do not fear, if we didn't fear sometimes. Amen? If he tells us 365 times, one for every day of the year, what, what, what is it that causes fear in Christians? Sometimes maybe we don't think we're smart enough, or educated enough, or we're strong enough, or we're gifted enough... I can't do it. Let somebody else do it. There's that fear. I haven't studied the whole Bible. Somebody might ask me a question I don't have an answer to. Let me encourage you. Read the whole Bible so you have answers. Study to show yourself approved. Amen. But that being said, you know what you can share with everybody? You can all share your testimony. Amen. Here's who I was and then I met Jesus and here's who I am. And you know what? Nobody can refute that. And you can share that in kindness and love and with boldness. Amen. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And again, often we, we are concerned about what others will think of us. First of all, I want you to know something. People are really not thinking about you. Amen. I'm always on my mind. How about you? (laughs) My three favorite people, me, myself, and I. I mean, who do we think about the most? Ourselves. How does this impact me? And we, we, we all, Everybody here thinks everybody else is thinking about them, and everybody else thinks they're, you, know, you think they're thinking about They're not thinking about you. So why are you worried about what they think? Because they're not thinking it anyway. Can I get an amen? Believe me, I'm not worried that my new teammate, I'm glad they know that I'm a born-again Christian, that Jesus is the priority and passion of my life, and the reason I do well at work is because God, by his grace, allows it. Can I get an amen to that? And you know what? Got phone calls as soon as that meeting ended. Really? You're a pastor? Okay, I got questions. question. Praise God. Amen? Guys, let's not be undercover Christians. People are coming out of the closet for other stuff. Let's come out of the closet for Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. We're going to talk about that. God has not given us the spirit of fear. We also give the credit the enemy too much credit. Do you know that God's greater than the enemy? Can I get an amen? amen. Somebody put a picture on Facebook of Jesus arm wrestling with Satan. I'm sorry. That's weak. Because he doesn't even get close to the table when it comes to Jesus. Satan is a defeated foe. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? amen. You plus God is a majority. And we don't have to vote on that. Can I get an amen? So what has he given us instead? He says he's given us power. The word power there is dunamos in in Greek. Where we get the word dynamic. He says... Go and wait and the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and you shall receive power from on high. And so God has given us power. Courage to stand up in spite of our human frailties. Courage to not succumb to the condemnation of the enemy. And again, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit lives in you you've been born again, he lives in, you he went from being with you to in you and he could be upon you. It's called the baptism of the Holy spirit. And that's where the power comes from. The word enthusiasm is in theo, So it means filled with God. Amen. So God's not giving us a spirit of cowardice. He's given us power. We're filled with the Lord. He's given us the Holy spirit to live out loud for him. Not only power, but love guys, we're going to need to exhibit that right about now. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. amen. We're called to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. Amen. I'm glad you guys didn't go down and start burning down buildings the day after the election. We don't do things like that. Can I get an amen? amen. Had somebody send me a long text about, well, we'll see how we're going to show you guys how to respond when you're in, when you're, when our party's in charge and how they're going to be so gracious and kind. And I wrote back and guess what? If he wins, I'm not going to burn down any buildings tomorrow. Amen. amen. I'm not gonna tell people he's not my president. I'm gonna pray for him. And I'm not gonna root that he fails, I'm gonna root that he succeeds. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And that's what God's called us to do, be peacemakers. The word love there is? Agape, it's a selfless love that loves someone outside of itself more than itself. It's, it's a love that gives, not a love that takes. For God so, loved, so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we're not people who are afraid, we are people filled with the power of the living God, and we are to show and, and represent the love of God in the way that we love others. Can I get an amen to that? And then finally, the last word there is sound mind. And it's a calm, disciplined, and self-controlled mind, in contrast to the panic and confusion that rushes in on us when we're afraid. When people are afraid, do they act rationally? They don't, we, sh- we have nothing to fear. You know what the number one reason we shouldn't be afraid? Heaven is better. Amen. The worst thing the world could do to me is the best thing that could happen to me. Can I get an amen? amen. So I don't have to be afraid. I don't, I'm not, I don't walk around worried about getting COVID. I don't walk around worried about so, something bad happening in my family. Hey, guys, we don't die. We just move to a much better neighborhood. Amen? And so I don't want to live a life that's reckless. But I want to live a life that glorifies God. And we have nothing to be afraid of. And so we have a sound mind, a calm, disciplined and self-controlled mind, a mind that is moved by the word of God, not our emotions. Our emotions are real, but sometimes they're wrong. Can I get an amen to that? You know, well, I feel, okay. Line that up with what the word of God says. If your feelings are different than the word of God, then your feelings are wrong. Amen. And the whole I'm living my truth. Uh, What truth is that? Because there's only one truth. Can I get an amen to that? So it's not my truth based on my feelings. So guys, we don't have a spirit of fear. We have the power of God. We're to exhibit the love of God. And we should have a sound mind because our minds are in the control of God. So in light of that, he says, therefore, therefore, in light of the fact that you're not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, that you're not called to be a coward. Now, remember... Paul's writing to Timothy when people in his church are being fed to lions. Paul is writing to Timothy in a time when being a Christian is a dangerous thing. And even more so to be a pastor is even more dangerous. And so he's letting him know in light of that, you don't have a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Now, how should you respond? It says in the rest of verse eight, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, even though you could be fed to a lion tomorrow by doing it, keep preaching the word of God and do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can try to outlaw the gospel, but they can't stop us from sharing it. Amen. Amen? They can say they're going to keep the Bible out of school, but we can take it anyway and we can continue to preach the word of God. Amen. They cannot silence us. Amen. And so here's the exhortation. He's telling him, do not be ashamed. The word ashamed there means to be ashamed, to dishonor or disfigure. The word testimony of our Lord is the, in Greek, is the evidence given, testified, testimony or witness. So the evidence given of who Jesus is, we must never be ashamed of that. We must never water it down. We must never keep it to ourselves. We should live lives boldly for the Lord. Now, Paul is talking to Timothy and pastors and telling them not to be ashamed of the gospel, even if it could cost you your life. We have no idea what that's like in this country. Having been to India many times where guys were going out, I would teach up to a thousand pastors at a time how to study and teach the Bible using the inductive Bible study method. And then these guys would go out into villages and plant churches where many of them were put to death. And I would learn way more from them than they would ever learn from me because they had boldness and courage like nothing I've ever seen before. When they would go into a village, they would first thing, they, they went out two by two. They would dig two graves on the outside of the village and let them know, hey, yeah, we're staying. If You decide to kill us. Graves are right out there. We're not leaving. We're going to keep preaching Jesus. You know what? I, they they'd say you should send missionaries here. I'm like, you, Some of you guys should come to California. Can I get an amen? We need people here with that kind of boldness for the Lord. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Amen? We need to die to ourselves and be unashamed of the gospel. And Timothy was to boldly proclaim the gospel at the risk of his own life. So what just exactly is the testimony that not only Timothy, but you and I should be willing to share? I'm going to take a few minutes because I know we know this, but we need to be reminded. First of all, Jesus is God. Amen? Amen? He is not created, he's creator. He's the alpha and the omega. He always has been, he he always will be. He is the way, the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by him. He is the only way to salvation, amen? That's who Jesus is. He always has been, he always will be. We were made in his image. Man's original creation was able to walk with God and communicate directly with him and was man's choice that separated us from almighty God. Our sin separated us. If you didn't know it, and even if you're new, you know know already I love you. You're a sinner just like me. Can I get an amen to that? And because of sin, we've been separated from God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Your good works will not save you. Being religious will not save you. Going to church will not save you. Baking brownies for the neighbors will not save you. Giving charity will not save you. Only the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and his body risen from the dead can save you. Can I get an amen? Amen. And that's who Jesus is. And that's the testimony we must not be ashamed of. I've been to the tomb. It's empty. But we can dig up Muhammad's bones. We can dig up the bones of every religious leader has come along since they're all dead gods. We serve a risen and living savior who has triumphed over sin and death. And we must never, ever, ever be too intimidated or too cowardly to speak that with boldness. Can I get an amen? Amen. Lord help us. He empowers us by his Holy spirit. Jesus came to earth he lived without sin. He died on the cross. He, died, he suffered as if he lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He appeared to the disciples and many others. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's praying for you right now. What a great and awesome God we serve. Doesn't it break your heart when people use his name as a curse word? We need to even that out. Amen? His name is used as a curse word way more often than it's used with the reverence it deserves. Shouldn't be so amongst us. Amen. When I would hear, I had a, a coworker used to sit in a cubicle next to me and she would say, Jesus Christ, 50 times a day. Jesus Christ. Every time she got mad and I would just stand up in my cubicle and go, glad to hear your prayer lights picking up. Cause I know you're not taking his name in vain over there. Right? And the reality is because guys, we need to make a stand for the name of Jesus. Amen. He hung on a cross for us. We're sinners. We were separated. He suffered and died because of what he did on the cross. You and I have eternal life. Guys, we must not keep that to ourselves. Amen. Can I encourage you when you get up in the morning, start tomorrow, Lord, give me a divine appointment today. Give me an opportunity to share my faith and give me the boldness to do it. I want to tell you right now, I pray that every morning and I can tell you He answers that opportunity every day. Guys, when we look for opportunities, here I am, Lord, send me. God is faithful to use us. Now, I want to say this too. He says, do not be ashamed of the testimony, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. He says, don't be ashamed of the Lord, and don't be ashamed of the fact that I've been thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Now, when people would visit Timothy's church, They may ask the question, well, who started this church? What was the apostle Paul? Well, where is he? Well, he's in prison. And that might scare a few people off. Amen. But do you know, Paul was not ashamed of being in prison because Paul was in prison for for the price of the gospel. Amen. And guys, we should not be ashamed for whatever the consequences may be for making a stand for the Lord, and we should not be ashamed of the gospel. And here's the scary part to me: this this is the thing that breaks my heart more than anything. Too many churches are taking the cross out of Christianity. They're calling it a vile doctrine because in the days of Jesus, the cross was something that the Romans didn't even mention because it was only used for the most hardened of criminals. And it was such a, a gross use of torture that people would not even bring it up. And the sad part is we've got churches today that will deny the resurrection, deny the deity of Jesus Christ, take the cross out. And what they want to do instead is preach a message that makes you feel good about the person that you are. Let me tell you something. You will never, Never get saved because someone waters down the gospel to tell you how wonderful you are. Salvation is going to come when you recognize you're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior and that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And I promise you, I'll never tell you you're good enough because I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. Only he's good enough. Amen. And to Jesus Christ alone be all the glory. Amen. amen. And we have quit trying to pretend like we're perfect. Get over yourself. You're a sinner in need of a Savior just like the rest of us. Can I get an Amen. Now, the Lord sees us as holy. He sees us as redeemed. We're precious in his sight. We're his pure white bride. He loves us. What a great God. And so we see that he's telling Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Don't be ashamed that I'm in prison for preaching the gospel. Don't shy away because there's consequences for standing before the Lord. Let's stand for him faithfully anyway. That's what the Lord has called us to do. Many people walked away when they started feeding Christians to lions. And I think we'd understand that that would be a possibility. Can I get an amen? If you knew that if you came to church today, that you might get dragged out of church and fed to a lion, you might be home watching it on live stream. <laughs> and the reality is we find out where our faith is when we know it might cost us something. It may cost you relationships. It could cost you your job. There's things that could cost you if you make a stand for the Lord. But it cost him everything so that we could be redeemed. Amen? And we must not keep it to ourselves. The cross of Christ is a stone of offense. And again, people are offended by the cross. Confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. So point number one there, by not being ashamed of the truth of the gospel. Then it's point number two, by being willing to suffer. Now, that's how he ends that verse there. that But share with me in the sufferings. That doesn't sound like a good recruitment for joining the church. Hey, join our church. Come suffer with us. You want to be persecuted by the world? Come on down. You want people to mock your faith? Come down. Come on down. Hey, by the way, they're feeding some of us to lions next week. We need some refills. Come on down. And he's encouraged him not to be ashamed, not to be afraid, not to fear the suffering. Because God, let me encourage you guys that these are but light afflictions when compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us, the Bible says. Amen? Amen. The worst thing the world can do to me is the best thing that can happen to me, and we don't have to be afraid of it. Do you think God's going to honor you standing up for him when nobody else will? Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when you get to heaven. Amen? They went through the fiery furnace and came out and didn't even smell like smoke. Amen? Who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? To come out, come out, you servants of the Most High God. Why? Because they stood when nobody else would. And we need people to stand when nobody else will. Amen? And that's the exhortation. He said, be willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. And we have no idea what suffering even is. And again, when they would ask him, well, your pastor's in prison and a bunch of your people are getting fed to lions. Man, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I'm ready for that. And as Christians, for us, the challenge is much less. It's when you meet the neighbor at the mailbox and you just let them know that Jesus loves them and maybe you invite them to church. Kind of encourage you? When was the last time you invited someone to church? You actually looked them in the eye and invited them to church. When was the last time he did that? We need to do that more often. It doesn't have to be this church. It's invited them to church. Amen? You know, a lot of people would love to go to church, but they don't know where to go. And by the way, a lot of them don't even know if anybody's open. We're open. We're meeting outside now, and it's a little cool out here, but that's okay. We got jackets in Jesus' name. Amen? But our desire is to live a life that will impact eternity and it becomes less about our comfort and becomes far more about reaching the lost. Again, the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. So it's not about us. Not about how comfortable we are. But that God would be glorified. The suffering's not due to disobedience but because he faithfully followed the Lord. And notice he says there at the end of that verse he says his prisoner Middle lever says his prisoner. Paul says, I'm a prisoner of God. Because do you know that nobody can put you in prison unless God allows it? Do you know that you can't lose your job for standing for your faith unless God allows it? Do you know that every trial that comes your way has to pass through the hand of our Savior first? Shall we praise him in times of blessing and not in times of adversity? Guys, if he allows it to come to us, then God's going to use it for his glory. If we will but let him. Keep your eyes off the waves and keep your eyes on the Savior. Can I get an Amen. And he's saying, don't allow suffering to cause you to turn your eyes away, to step away, to be fearful, to be ashamed of the gospel. And again, let's be peaceful and kind when we share it, but let's share it with boldness. It says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It says, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Guess what? God wins the election that matters. Amen. Amen? He's always on the throne. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. On judgment day, we'll be standing, praise God, not before the Senate, the house or the White House. We'll be standing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And here's the only thing I'm, here's, here's my retirement plan. You ready? Enter in my good and faithful servant. Those are the seven words I want to live for every day. Amen. You know, the apostles were martyred, but they never stopped preaching. They boiled John in oil. He didn't die. Went out to the island of Patmos and wrote the book of Revelation while he was there. These guys all finished strong. Amen? And you know what? They never wavered in their faith. If what they believed wasn't true, they would have given up a long time ago. You can find out just where your faith really is by how you respond when persecution comes. Because if somebody really loves the Lord, persecution won't bother you. You'll count it all joy when you fall into various trials, as the word of God tells us. Notice again, it even says the gospel at the end of the verse, according to the power of God. If God calls you to do it, he'll give you the power to do it. You know, the apostles, did did he go out and pick the best speakers? Did he go up and down and find great politicians? Now that'll tell you something, no politicians, who did he pick? He picked tax collectors and fishermen. He picked guys that weren't great orators. But you know what? As soon as they got Jesus, they were. Amen? And so the eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one who can show himself strong on account of one whose heart is loyal to him. God's not looking for better message. He's just looking for men and women who'll say, here I am, Lord. Use me. And I promise you, if you ask God to use you, he will. So Paul's a friend of Timothy. He's his father in the faith. He doesn't say give up. He doesn't say go home. He doesn't say quit. He doesn't say hide. He says, don't be ashamed. Preach it with boldness. Don't be be fearful of the suffering that might come. Be about it. Verse nine, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Who have saved us? The word saved in Greek means to save, keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. He paid a heavy price to rescue you. If somebody came into your house and the house was on fire and you were all trapped, and somebody came in and rescued you, wouldn't you be thankful? Guess what? We were not rescued from a temporary fire, we were rescued from an eternal one. And guys, we should be thankful. Can I get an amen? And because he has rescued us and forgiven us and redeemed us, we have the promise of eternal life. But guess what? When he rescues us, he doesn't just rescue us and stick us over in a corner and say, wait there until you die. He saves us to use us. And he has a calling on your life. So everybody in this room is called by God. He saved you. He's gifted you. He wants to use you. He says there, he called us. The word Greek there is to call by name. Isn't it amazing that almighty God called you by name? He called you by name. Not only does he know your name, but he knows the number of hairs on your head, the Bible says. It's a pretty quick count for me, but he he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. Isn't it amazing that he that knows you best loves you most? He knows every wicked vile thing you've ever done, every thought you've ever had, and he still loves you. What a gracious God. Amen? And he called you by name. There was a day and he said, hey, Mike. And Mike responded and gave his life to the Lord. A lot better now, huh, Mike? Amen. 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 Got saved at this church. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And all of us can say that. I got saved in Mrs. Green's Sunday school class in 1968 when I was four and a half years old at the First Baptist Church of Wilmington. And you know what? I still can remember the flannel board picture of salvation, responding, put my little hand up and giving my life to Jesus. And I'll tell you what, best thing I've ever done in my life. Guys, he calls us by name and we respond to him. But he didn't call us to sit on the sideline. He called us to use us for his good work, for his glory and his name. Not according to our good works. God doesn't need you, you need him. And he's not impressed with what you do. Amen. One thing in working in sales, a bunch of eagle maniacs. I'm just telling you, that's most salespeople. And they're all, you know, when they were talking about themselves, well, I won this many sales awards. Okay, whoop-de-doo. Really, really proud of it Good for you, right? Here's the reality it doesn't matter. And we think our good works somehow make us better than others. People look down. And somebody sent me a text Can pastors smoke cigarettes? Can Christians smoke cigarettes? And then some guy wrote, Oh, no, it's an addiction. You'll go to hell if you smoke cigarettes. Bro, I, I, I'm glad God's grace is better than the grace you've got. Can I get an amen to that? Now, there's certain things we should pray about, things we should or shouldn't do, and the Word of God should be... But guys, we're all sinners in need of a Savior, and we don't look around and point at other people and their flaws. We've got to look at our own and recognize the grace of God and how blessed we are to be saved. Amen. amen? And it's the grace of God. It's not your good works. Now, it's not works that save us. It's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that works. Can I get an Amen? So good works are not the source of salvation, but they're the fruit of salvation. So as someone who's been born again, our life should have good works. But, but know that those good works are not what save us. They're the fruit of salvation. But according to his own purpose and his grace. And again, not because we're good, but because he's good. Grace, you've heard me say it a hundred times. One more won't hurt you. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus paid for it, and we get the reward. Amen? And thank you, Lord, for that. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Look what it says. It says, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. There's a headache for you. The Bible says that Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So God, because he knows everything, and God doesn't have to learn anything, and God doesn't change his mind, thank you, Lord, amen. But he knew before he created the heavens and the earth that we would sin, and he knew that he would have to send his son to save us. And yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was given to us in Christ, again, not according to our good works, and God's plan for redeeming mankind from even before he created time or space was that Jesus would come and pay the price that we could be restored to him. God knew before he created us that we would sin and rebel against him. Can you imagine if you knew before you had a child that your child would rebel against you, be difficult, torturous, you have him anyway, and you love him anyway. And that's what God did with us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Only way we could be restored is if he did it for us. Here's the reality. The reason that Islam doesn't work is Muhammad is a sinner. Amen? And he's the prophet of the sword, by the way. Confess that Allah is God. Muhammad is a prophet. We're going to cut your head off. You get a few converts that way. But that's how they were created. Hinduism believes in 30 million gods and you come back again and again, you get extra tries to see if you're a really good person. That's why they don't kill cows. They don't kill, that might be grandmas, So they don't kill them. <laughs> People are starving to death. They don't kill the animals and they're striving and they got 30 million gods. And then you got, you go down the, you go down the list of all the world's religions and all of them are based on man's efforts to be good enough. And yet, guys, we can never be good enough. And Jesus is the only one who is sinless, who's perfect, who's holy, who's God incarnate, proved it by dying on the cross and raising him from the dead. Amen? So even if Muhammad was crucified, it wouldn't do you any good because Muhammad was a sinner in need of a savior. He can't save you. It's not about attaining a higher level of consciousness. Or as one of my co-workers in San Jose kept trying to rearrange the stuff on my desk to make it more feng shui. I'm like, really? You need more chi. I'm like, isn't that something you put on a ham sandwich? Can I get an amen? She gave me a, she left a book on my desk. It said, it said, feng shui for dummies. And I handed it back to her and I said, who else would it be for? <laughs> if you move your Kleenex box, you'll sell more. What a bunch of nonsense. Amen. And I just kept loving on her. No, you need Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? It's not moving the Kleenex box. It's surrendering your heart to the Savior of the world. Amen? But the world is looking for answers. Guys, we have it. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's point people to the Lord. Amen? It was in Christ before time began. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. His word tells us It's only in Him. How can you and I walk away from that truth or water it down? Yet many who call themselves Christians, again, well, well, if you're a good person, you'll be fine. Well, yeah, that's true because there aren't any good people. So, Amen? There's none righteous, no, not one. God who created time, the heavens, and the earth created the way of salvation in His Son. Verse 10. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's been revealed through the appearing of our savior, Jesus coming to earth and living a sinless holy life. And then dying in our place was the revelation and fulfillment of God's eternal plan. The word appearing there is the word epiphany, his visible manifestation in the flesh. People are running to look at epiphanies of the, of the Virgin Mary or the epiphany of one of the apostles. Let me clue you in those epiphanies. Are not real, and second of all, we don't need them because the epiphany that mattered already came in Jesus Christ, amen? And he came to earth. Notice again of our savior. The word savior there is deliverer. Jesus Christ fulfilled God's eternal plan, delivered us from eternal separation, and revealed to us the character and the heart of God. Notice it says there abolish death. Now, a lot of people put rest in peace, on people's tombstones. Instead of rest in peace, it should be C-A-D. Instead of R-I-P-C-A-D, Christ abolished death. Can I get an amen? Christians don't die. We close our eyes on earth and we open them up in glory. Amen? We just move to a much better neighborhood. Amen? So no, you, you, we're resting in his presence if we know the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord, there is no resting in peace. And that body that we drop in the ground was a temporary tent that's not being used anymore. Amen? You've heard me say it before. I keep telling my wife when I die, just put me in a hefty bag and leave me on the curb. Better yet, put me in a, put me in a, uh, uh, you know, a U-Haul box because I'm just moving. Can I get an amen? <laughs> just leave it out there. Because guys, the only part of us that's real is what's in here. Amen? The part of us that's eternal is in here, and this is a temporary. Aren't you glad this is a temporary tent? Getting old is not for wimps, man. I'm falling <laughs> apart over here, and I'm thankful that I'm not. This is not what I'm going to be living in for eternity. Amen. He abolished death. A lot of people can say they did, but only the one who triumphed over sin and death, and only one who rose from the dead. By the way, you know when Jesus died on the cross, the graves opened up and dead people got up and walked into town. You know that. It's in the Bible. Can you imagine? How did, the, how did that whole town not get saved? How did everybody not just get saved that day? If grandma showed up at my house 60 years after she died and knocked on the door and told me that, God, that Jesus rose from the dead and proved it, and she, I'm like, uh, I'm in. Can I get an amen to that? She's triumphed over death. You know what? The world is afraid of dying. That's why so many people are, and again, I'm not saying we shouldn't be cautious about COVID to some degree. I get it. But the reason that some people are so afraid is because they're afraid of dying. And if you don't know the Lord, you should be afraid of dying. Amen? But as believers, we have nothing to fear in death. Just remember, CAD, Christ abolished death. The gospel is good news is that Jesus has triumphed over sin and death. And again, God has not given us the spirit of fear, and that includes Death. My dad died a few years ago and I remember that, the, the conversations I was having with him toward the end of his life when he was blind and, and he was just so looking forward to heaven. And when, he, and when you know, when my sister called and told me that he, had, that he had moved, I was rejoicing. I miss him every day, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to come back from where he is because where, where he is is far better. He, I don't want him coming to me because I'm going to him. Can I get an amen to that? Looking forward to heaven. So good. You know, when we're facing death, we find out, and it's really important. We find out if we start to panic. I told you that in 2009 when I had a, a medical problem that kept me in the, month, the hospital for nine months, I was in the back of the ambulance and they were panicking as to why not I'd make it to the hospital. And I just taught Revelation chapter one where you see the picture of Jesus in heaven. And I was in the back of that ambulance. I've never been so, so glad I was saved in my life. Can I get an amen to that? And as I was on the way, the ambulance, they were panicking, saying that we might not get me there. And I thought, I just taught about what Jesus looks like in Revelation 1, and I'm going to see him in a few minutes. I can't wait. And I was praying for my wife and my kids. God, take care of him. I know you will, but I'm ready. Let's do this. God wasn't done with me yet. I get to stick around here for a while longer. But that being said, heaven's better. Amen. Can't wait. He abolished death. Verse 11 To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. In spite of his current suffering, it had been a privilege, the privilege of his life, to be a preacher and apostle. We don't say, you know, because I'm a preacher, that's why I'm in jail. You know, because I'm serving the Lord, I don't have a big house. You know, because I'm faithfully walking with God, these are the things I'm missing out on. Can I encourage you, again, when this time has come and passed, only what you've done for Christ will last. Amen everything else is just dirt. It's all going to burn. Can I get an amen? And because you have a bigger pile of dirt than somebody else, don't be arrogant about it. We should be faithful with what God has given us and use it for his glory, not our comfort. He was appointed. The word there means called or established. Jesus met Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine, and he saved him and he called him into the ministry. Knocked him off his high horse, brought him to the end of himself. Got him looking up. It says they're a preacher. I love that word. It's a herald, given authority to deliver the official message of the king. What a privilege it is to deliver the message of a king of the king. I've coworkers say, "So you you study all you study forty hours a week, plus you work a full time job, then you teach on Sunday. When do you get a day off, man? Don't you need to rest? I will rest when I get to heaven. Amen." Amen. What are you doing? on? So you're watching your football team lose, and I'm hanging out with the creative universe. Can I get an amen to that? Sometimes I think we lose sight. You're hitting a white ball around a big yard. We'll go, okay. Right, let's hang out with the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It doesn't get better than him, amen? amen? And what a privilege it is to be God's ambassador to herald or proclaim the gospel of his divine word. Guys, people are looking for the meaning of life. We have it. Amen. They're looking for the truth. It's right here. Amen. Amen. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by word of, word of God. Apostle means a messenger, a delegate, one sent forth with orders, had to be chosen by the Lord personally. By the way, I get all these friend requests. You know, I have thousands of friends because of the radio stations and all that. And, and when someone gives their name, their name apostle, I'm I'm done and I'm out. You're not an apostle, bro. No. It says in heaven the name of the twelve apostles, and you're not one of them. And yet, to be an apostle, you had to have seen Jesus in, in, in real life. You had to have seen the risen living. You had to seen have seen him and been called by him. We're not apostles, amen. It was a high calling. It represented uh, represented Christ, and to reject an apostle was to reject the Lord. But he said, "I get, Paul's like, "I got to be an, be an apostle." He's in awe of it. He's not arrogant about it. And then he says a teacher to the Gentiles, he shepherded local churches and instructed them in the whole counsel of God. Paul was a herald of the gospel, a messenger sent out to represent Christ and a pastor and teacher who fed God's people, the whole counsel of God. Guys, as far as I'm concerned, it just doesn't get any better than that. Paul had a wonderful calling on his life that bared much fruit. And one of the biggest mistakes we can make as we grow in our faith, is to see and recognize God's calling in the life of others while at the same time, failing to recognize the calling on our lives. Everybody here is called. You have gifts I don't have. I might have a gift you don't have. That's how we minister to each other. That's how the body of Christ works. And sometimes we think the only gifts are like pastor, elder, worship leader. Oh, I guess I'm not called. But when you read the Bible, the Bible has many more gifts. You know one of the gifts is the gift of helps, the gift of giving. Amen. Somebody who's generous and gives. Uh, we have so many people in this church that help. Hey, look, I want to say this. I hear it all the time and I'm so blessed by you guys. People who come, they'll be here a couple weeks, a week or two, sometimes the first week. And they'll say I've never felt so loved and welcomed at a church in my life. And that's because you guys are using the gifts God's given you to make people feel welcomed and loved. Can I get an amen to that? And you know what? If you're here and it's your first time today, I pray you feel welcomed and loved because we've been praying for you though we've never met you. And we don't have church membership at Calvary Chapel. You show up, you're a part of the family. So we're adopting you right now. Can I get an amen? And that should be our heart. God's got a calling on our lives. And if people were not faithful, you know, there's people that come early and set up these chairs so we have a place to sit. There's people that, come early and get the video ready to go so that those who are at home right now can watch. There are those who, re- who make CDs of the messages so they can be handed out to other people. There are people that, that uh, edit the radio program so, the radio, so we can be on five radio stations. If you didn't know it, this little church is on five radio stations reaching hundreds of thousands of people every single week because people faithfully give and other people edit the radio program and put it on the radio. And praise God. And all these gifts are things that people don't see. And by the way, We are really blessed by the people that serve in our children's ministry. And praise God for them. Can I get an amen? Amen. They faithfully prepare and they're down there ministering and loving on your kids and teaching your kids about Jesus with the same heart and passion that we have up here to teach you about Jesus. Amen. Amen. So every gift is important. And may we not uh, sit back and do nothing because we think we're not called or gifted by God. Again. We've been given gifts, every single one of us. He says there, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep me till that day committed to him until to what I've committed to him until that day. He says, the reason I'm suffering is because of what God called me to do. I'm suffering because I preach the gospel. I'm suffering because I taught the word of God. I'm suffering because I'm an apostle. Guys, if we're suffering because we're Christians, it's going to be worth it. Amen? And if we're suffering because we choose to live sinful lives outside of God's will and we're walking in open rebellion, that's on us. But if we're suffering for standing for the Lord, again, it will always be worth it. I love the apostle Paul's heart here. We could all learn from him as God has called us, uniquely gifted us. It's a get to, not a have to, to serve the Lord. And I truly believe this. Every ministry in this church should have people serving that view what they're doing as a get to, not a have to. Amen? I get to, I get to serve the children. I get to teach in the men's study. I get to teach in the women's study. I get to bring food so that people will hang out and fellowship. Praise the Lord. So it's that reason. Paul's suffering was the result of faithful service to God. And again, and I am not ashamed. Almost of all the people waiting in prison for execution had plenty to be ashamed of. Paul didn't. Now, if Paul was still focused on his past, he'd have a lot to be ashamed of. And here's what the enemy does. He condemns you. And the Bible says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. And too often, what will happen is we will look at people and condemn them for their past. It's not who we were; it's who we are in Christ that matters. My son-in-law is a pastor. My son-in-law is the is an answer to nineteen years of prayer. Every, every day, I'd go in and pray for my daughter, lay hands on her, and pray for her husband. And he's the answer to nineteen years of prayer. But do you know that the first time he came to our church, he was drunk, and he was brought by his brother after he graduated from high school. And he said, he sat on the front row and he hated me in the first 30 seconds because I told him he was a sinner and he didn't think that was fair. But the end of that message, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He's been born again. He's a new creation in Christ. He's one of the most godly young men I've ever met. And I thank God for him every day. And I'm so glad I don't focus on who he was in the past, but who he is today. Can I get an amen to that? And we got to stop looking at everybody else's past. I don't want to be looking at mine. How about you? It's who we are in Christ that matters. He said, I suffer these things because I stood for the Lord and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of reaching the lost. I'm not ashamed. You know why he's not ashamed? Because he's been forgiven. Amen. He was Osama bin Laden before he got saved. He was the one who went out attacking and wanting to kill Christians. And because of who he is in Christ, he's no longer ashamed. He says, for I know whom I have believed. Not just what I believe, but whom I believe. Guys, it's not what we believe, it's who we believe in that matters. Amen? It's not just I have a belief in this system, I believe in the Lord, and I don't just believe in him, I know him. Do you know Jesus this morning? Is he your best friend? Do you know him in an intimate, personal way? Persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed. To him until that day, Paul had given his life to Jesus and he knew he was indestructible till God's through with them until that day when the Lord would call him home. Guys, we're indestructible till God's through with us. We're not dying. Nobody dies too early. We all die right on time. Amen. And again, we close our eyes on earth. We open them up in glory. Last point. Holding fast to the word of God. How's Pastor Dave going to teach that in 10 minutes? This is a Bible rock. I love the Bible. Amen? I really don't have time to read any other books because I'm too busy reading this one over and over and over again. Can I get an amen? Other books are fine. They're vitamins. This is meat and potatoes. you got to eat this first. Amen? Notice what he says here. Hold fast. Last point. Holding fast. Hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Throughout the centuries, God's work has been done by men and women who stood steadfast in their hours of trial, and God had deposited truth into Paul, and Paul had given it to Timothy, and Timothy exhorted others to hold fast to the gospel. The word hold fast suggests that someone or something will attempt to snatch it away from you. You have to hold on to it because someone's trying to snatch it away from you. Someone's challenging you and telling you, well, it's not very loving to say that that's sin or that's wrong. Who are you to judge? I'm no one to judge, but the word of God righteously judges. Amen? The only verse that atheists seem to know is judge not lest she be judged. Isn't that the only verse they ever quote? You're not supposed to judge me. First of all, that's taken out of context and we are to judge Sit now, Look, I, I'm, I've got enough of my own sin to deal with. Amen. That being said, we can love people enough to say this lifestyle is going to lead to your destruction and lovingly tell them that there's a way out and his name's Jesus. Amen. But people are going to come and try to get you to change the word of God to make it more culturally relevant. Well, pastor, you can't, you can't teach that. People won't listen to it. You know what? I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear because I love you. Can I get an amen? amen. And I need to hear it first. By the way, I get, I get it for 40 hours. You get it for an hour, okay? I, say, I tell people, God made me a pastor because he knew I needed to be in the Bible 40 hours a week because I'm so thick. Can I get an amen? amen? And so hold fast to the word of God. This cannot be watered down. You know what? When you attack the word of God, you're attacking the God of the word. Amen? And it's blasphemous when people attack the word of God. There's quote pastors coming out, well, you know, I think homosexuality is okay. I think that was cultural. Stop it. Lying's not okay. Murder's not okay. Adultery's not okay. Sin is sin, and it's wrong. Amen? And the culture will try to change that. We do not listen to the culture. We are to hold fast to the word of God hold fast hold faithfully to so the patterns of the word the word pattern there it speaks of an architect's sketch when an architect sketches out a building there's a there's a definite outline and if you go outside of that outline the building's going to fall apart and there's a definite outline of doctrine in the early church as there is today a standard by which we all all of our teaching must be tested when i listen to a guy on tv for 3 minutes i can usually tell him three minutes or less if the guy, if the guy's for real. And you know why? Because the word of God will align with what he's teaching. Amen. But you know how you get fooled by false teachers? You don't know the pattern that he's given us. Amen. This is the pattern. This is the legitimate. This is the real. And that's how you know the lie and you can recognize it. If Timothy changed the outline or abandoned it, there would have been nothing by which to test other teachers. 2,000 years later, nothing has changed. And again, we don't get saved because someone waters down the message. That What you're holding in your lap is the pattern, the Word of God. The important message for any pastors, it does not hold the Word of God. Guys, we don't, don't go to a church because the pastor's funny. Or he's exciting or he's a great guy. The ultimate test for which God will judge him is does he hold fast to the word of God? If he's not teaching the word of God, leave. Amen. If we don't have the word of God, we're the Elks Club. Can I get an amen? Let's put put horns on the wall, call it the Elks Club because it's not church and we're just having potlucks and hanging out and being entertained and there's not enough of God's word because God's word is what transforms our lives. Amen. And that's what we need. He says, hold fast to it. He says, what you have heard from me. Stick to what you've already heard. The simple truth of the gospel. Don't be swayed. Everybody's always looking for a new word. Oh, I got a new word. If it's new, it's not true. Amen? Amen. We don't mean, need new word. Be faithful to the old word. Amen? Amen? Hey, the Kansas City prophets are coming to town. We want to bring them to your church. I'll pass. <laughs> Amen? I got the word of God. I don't need the new word coming out. You know, our country was founded on the word of God. And you know, that, that it was once said that America is great because America fears God. And when America ceases to fear God, America will cease to be great. And we are ceasing to fear God and we are ceasing to be great. But praise God that we're here and that we're a remnant. Can I get an amen? And we need to be faithful. Those who do fear God need to make a stand for the word of God. He's saying, stay true to what you've heard. Don't change it. Don't water it down. You've seen how the gospel changes lives. Why in the world would you try to teach anything else? He says, in faith, confident that we stand behind his word. The word faith there, it speaks of confidence in love. We are to exhibit our faith with great boldness, but also do it in love. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. This is why we must speak the truth in love. You have churches that just love all over people, but they don't tell them the truth. Then you have guys who preach the truth and they're jerks. Just screaming at you. I hope you don't feel that way today. I love you guys. I love you guys. I'm sharing the truth with you with boldness, but I love you guys. I'm I'm blessed to, to serve you. Whatever God calls you to do, who will faithfully empower you to be able to do it. Look there, verse 14. The good thing which is committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The good thing is the gospel. In Greek, the word there means beautiful. It's the beautiful thing. Keep, stay faithful in the midst of the apostasy around you. Keep by teaching the whole word of God and by the empowering work of the Holy Spirit within us. Then he says there, Keep by the Holy Spirit. Again, the only reason we can do anything for the Lord is we're filled with the Spirit, amen? You know the difference between someone who's saved and someone who's not? Someone who doesn't know the Lord is spiritually dead, and those who are born again are alive in Christ. And that's a radical transformation, amen? It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Now look at these two poor guys. Their names in the Bible here, only this one time. How would you like this to be the only time your name's mentioned? <laughs> This we know all those in Asia, those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. That's it. Uh, They turned away. They walked away. They didn't like the price. They don't want to be fed to lions. They didn't want to face the consequences of standing for the Lord. So they walked away. How tragic is that? The only thing more tragic to me is when it talks about Paul almost persuading the king to get saved. He says, you almost persuade me. Couldn't there be a more tragic word in the Bible than almost? Guys, I pray that it goes beyond someone else's faith to your own. Let's finish it up. It says, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But he arrived in Rome. He sought me out very zealously and found me. Praise God for those who run to you when you're hurting. Can I get an amen to that? When you're hurting and somebody takes the time to pick up the phone and just say, I want you to know you came to mind. I'm praying for you. I love you. How can I help you? We all need to be more sensitive to leading of the Holy Spirit, to look for those in the body that are hurting and to reach out to them in love. Amen? And it's amazing how many times that letter you write to them or that phone call you make will be right on time. The Apostle Paul, who's a mighty man of God, who's used mighty by the Lord, but when Onesiphorus came to him, when he was down in that cave and he loved on him, man, it blessed Paul's heart. Guys, we all need to be ministered to sometimes, amen? Amen. And we only do that if we take the eyes off of ourselves. And in verse 18, the Lord grant to him, he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me in Ephesus. Talks about when he was back, when he was in Ephesus, how Onesiphorus had ministered to him then. Guys, this is not a police station. It's a hospital. Amen. This is where people come when we're hurting and we need to be sensitive to those around us. You know, we, we want to, we want to pray for you. We want to minister to you any way that we can. We love you. The Lord brought you here by divine appointment. Nothing happens by chance. And I want you to know that, you know, we have prayer requests on the back table. You write them out. I promise you'll get prayed for throughout the week. If you need anything, everybody here has my cell phone. If you don't have it, it's on our website. I can tell you what, it's 831-428-2214. I give it, and I'm here to serve you. Not that I have all the answers. I just know the one who does. Can I get an amen? But guys, that's the body of Christ. And the body isn't what it could be if we're sitting on the sidelines and we're not using the gifts God's given us. Amen? So in closing, living a life that will impact eternity. Last week we saw being a man or woman of prayer. By passing your faith to the next generation. By using the spiritual gifts God has given you. Today we saw by not being ashamed of the truth of the gospel. The next time when you know that opportunity is there. And how many of you know when it's happening? You know it, right? You feel the Holy Spirit doing this. Say it! Amen? Am I the only one? Here's that opportunity. Lord, help me not to have a spirit of cowardice. Give me boldness right now. Lord, help. Amen? It's a good prayer to pray. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. By willing to suffer in the temple for the sake of the eternal, this is but light affliction when compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Any suffering we do in this life will be worth it because it will impact eternity. Amen? Amen? And then finally, by holding fast to the word of God, can I encourage you? The first thing you ought to do in the morning is spend a few moments in prayer. And before you leave your house, open up your Bible and spend some time with the Lord. That might mean you have to put your alarm 30 minutes sooner. Amen. I want to tell you something. When you begin your day with the Lord, the rest of the day is different, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how that works? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. Lord, I know it's a lot this morning, but boy, the Bible does rock. And Lord, we're thankful for who you are and what you've done for us. You've not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and love and a sound mind. Help us to be men and women of prayer. Help us, Lord, to, be, to pass on faith to our children, to live it out loud. Help us to use the spiritual gifts you've given us. Help us not to be ashamed of the gospel and help us to hold fast to the word of God. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for everyone who's here. I pray for every family represented here. I pray for every marriage represented here. I pray that the husbands would be the spiritual leader in their households and the men of God you've called them to be. I pray for the, the, the wives, that they would be that helpmate and that source of encouragement to their husbands. I pray for the children, Lord, that they would go beyond mom and dad's faith to their own faith. I pray that you would stir up the gifts you've given us, I pray for everyone who's new here today. I do pray that they feel welcomed and loved and they would know that there's a God who loves them so much he'd rather die than live without them. And I pray that we would be kind and loving and gracious and in the weeks to come, in the midst of a divided country, I pray we'd be peacemakers and not troublemakers. Help us, Lord, to represent you well. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray and all God's people said,